Well, hello there. I'm glad you stopped by today to my little spot up here on the bleachers. A good show lined up for you. Got two very good guests, and we're going to sit down and talk a little bit about Cardinal baseball. So grab your favorite tall cold one or a can and a koozie. Come on up and sit down. We'll talk some sports. You got to get it done. This is Gateway City Sports. The rumors are true. This is Talking Sports on the Bleachers with Don Glenn. A confident young man. A superb athlete. A look at the sports issues of the day. Grab a seat, pop a cold one, and let's talk some sports. Gee, that sounds kind of interesting. Gentlemen, start your engines. Romo on the shotgun, here's the snap, Romo looking, dumps it off right side, intercepted! Intercepted the goal line by Woodson, and there is your dagger! Brujol with a widespread stance, arms out over the plate. Bickford from the stretch. The 1-1 one, one pitch. A play, and there it goes! Thank you for tuning in today because I have two guys with me that have been here before, but never together. Today, we solved that. I have to say I'm a big fan of both their shows. I want to start by saying, though, that Talking Sports on the Bleachers is a proud member of Gateway City Sports. And at Gateway City Sports, you can find articles and podcasts on most sports in and around the St. Louis area. Check it out at gatewaycitysports.com. And this segment of the show is brought to you by Fifth Street Motors. Check out the stress-free car buying at Fifth Street Motors. Located at 2044 Rose Lane in Pacific, Missouri. Find a deal that fits your budget. Call Brandon or Don, 573-259-1306. Again, 573-259-1306. Tell them Don Glenn from Talking Sports on the Bleachers sent you. So now let's get to my guest tonight. First, from the Locked On Network, host of Locked On Cardinals, it's J.D. Halfron. Welcome back, J.D. 
McDonald, how are you today, sir? I am very well, sir. Thank you very much for asking. The next guest is the host of Meet Me at the Mutual. You know him as Daniel Shoptaw. Welcome back to the show, Daniel. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Oh, I'm glad to have you guys here. You know, uh, I guess the first question is going to be, though, is has it been long enough where we can rationally talk about the Cardinals without getting upset? <laughs> I honestly got I stopped getting upset around June when I knew that, that that's about when I go, you know what? The season is toast. And uh, now we got to look at uh, how we can rebuild things or retool things, whatever word they want to use to fix everything that went wrong this past season. So I, I, I stopped getting angry a long time ago when, about that game. When the giants hit the, uh, the, hit the home run and sent it to extra. That's, that's when I go, I'm done. They're, they're, they're out. <laughs> yeah. I think we've had time to get through all the stages of grief by now and on to acceptance. Uh, I mean, there, yeah, there's nothing else to do. I mean, we have like, like JD was saying, we've had a long time to just kind of, come to terms with that as if you hadn't by the time the, uh, the trading deadline came around that everybody was shipped out then uh i mean i don't know what to tell you so yeah i think i think we can kind of look back without any problems all right sounds good well i guess the obvious place to start is uh spring training i mean we we, we came into the season we knew they didn't do much in the off season um we knew pitching was going to be an issue but Maybe we bought, or at least I did, maybe bought into some false security when uh, Woodford and Matts had some good outings in the spring. There was good reports on on Michaelis and Wainwright. You know, I, I was kind of feeling a little good. Uh, saw Walker at the plate. You know, I thought we were going to have a good thing coming out of spring training, and then reality hit. Uh, what was it like for you guys? Did you have the same feelings in spring training, or did you have a little different idea? Well, I think, uh, I mean, when you – win seven what 17 or 26 in spring training and better than anybody else and doing that with a lot of players gone to the world baseball classic and you saw a lot of really good things i don't think it was too surprising I, you know i do various things uh on twitter with the predictions and stuff like that and i think we had 70 80 people or so that were picking uh card you know everybody picked the cardinals first maybe one person picked them second everybody's picking them in the you know 85 to 90 wins, you know, and it's some, some more, not very many less. I mean, and, and you look at that and the, if the pitching stack is average, which I think everybody said, okay, they're not going to be great, but you know, two or three of these guys are going to be good. Two or three of them are going to stumble. You get average, you get this lineup, you should be fine. And you didn't get average and you got a lineup that had some problems at the, at key moments, uh, getting some gains won. Uh, yeah. What was your take JD? Uh, yeah, I mean, most people were spoon feeding the NL Central to us. They were just like, here, you guys can have it. And uh, you guys are going to end up taking this division. Maybe Milwaukee sneaks up on you and gives you a, a run for your money. But everybody just kind of handed it over to them. And I don't want to use the World Baseball Classic as an excuse, but it was, you know, it was odd that you didn't really have a lot of your core players performing. And yeah, you won the spring training title. Yay. But at the same time, a lot of those guys weren't going to be on this roster anyway. You know, you you were excited about what you saw from Britta Donovan, who, you know, was, you know, ripping home runs in spring training. And uh, but as far as pitching and stuff goes, I mean, you didn't 
there wasn't much to be excited. I mean, we were getting excited about Andrew Suarez starts and stuff like that. And it was just a, it was a bizarre time that we were getting excited about guys like, Oh my gosh, look at all the depth that they're going to have this year. And we didn't get to see the guys that were going to actually be on the field. So of course you like winning. That's great. But I want, you know, when, until I see the guys that are going to be the core of my team playing together, I wasn't all that excited about what happened in spring training, but at the same point, I didn't think they were going to be this bad either. Like I, I thought they were easily a wild card team this year. So uh, the way they went down so quickly was very shocking to me. Yeah. And you mentioned the world baseball classic. Now I'm not trying to use that as an excuse for the season because definitely after a month you've get, you should be getting back into things. But do you think that maybe hurt us a little bit in April and led to that bad start or, I mean, cause we had 19 players in, in the class. We had, Newt Barr and, and Edmund, O'Neill, Goldie, not NATO, Wainwright, Michaelis, Gallegos. Yeah, I mean, had the most. Know, yeah. Uh, did that set us back initially? I think maybe it had a little something to do with that. Again, if when you're not playing with the guys that you're supposed to be playing with and you're off doing other things with different players, like there, there is something about a clubhouse uh, that – is important, you know, chemistry. Of course, all of those guys were just with each other last year. So I don't think it should have been that big of a deal, but at the same time, not going through the normalcies of what a, a spring training would normally be like, maybe having to rev things up a little bit earlier than they are used to, you know, that was something that maybe Michaelis had issues with. I, I don't want to give him an excuse. I mean, right. He just got hit a lot. <laughs> that was his problem. But, uh, you know, the Wainwright injury didn't help any. Um, but, again, I don't want to use it as an excuse. But when you break out of, you know, a routine that you're used to, I, I think I think even professional athletes, uh, it, it's going to change things a little bit for them. And I know we were all hoping that maybe it actually would get them off to a quicker start because maybe they were all at, where they would be, say, when May starts right. instead of coming out of spring training cold. And that apparently was not the case. Yeah, yeah, I think it was a, a factor. I wouldn't, you know, how much of a factor is obviously up to for debate. But, um, you know, maybe the biggest thing was that Wilson Contreras didn't go to the WBC, but the pitchers that he was supposed to work with did. And so it didn't really do him a lot to, to really kind of mesh with that. And it takes a little bit of time. And the Cardinals you know what, 12 and 24 at the end of April, you know, that's eight games under or 12 games under, they only went eight games under the rest of the way. So you don't dig that hole in April. This season probably looks a little bit different. I mean, I don't know that that's going to get you a, a title or anything like that, but maybe we're talking about a 500 team or something of that nature. Um, so I, it, it is something. Yeah. How, how much is really hard to know. Right. Right. Um, should Walker have been brought up at the beginning of the season? I know, J.D., you've mentioned it a few times in your program. Uh, or should they have waited till maybe after, o you know, when O'Neill went down, then, you know, leave him down there and see what happens with the outfielders it was? Because when we when they broke camp, they broke camp with, what, five outfielders or six? I think Yepes was on the team. I don't know. Uh, to me, if you're going to break, break with that many outfielders, somebody – really should have stayed behind. And I think maybe at that point, maybe it was should have been. I think that there's, you know, a, an argument and there was an argument for Walker to stay. I know everybody got really excited about his strong spring and, but there were a lot of reasons for him to go on to AAA. And I think if the Cardinals 
saw what they saw, you know, a month later when they did send him to AAA, then they should have gone ahead and done that. Now, you know, I think sometimes that maybe they got a little swept up in the hype as well. Um, and it's also possible if the Cardinals have a 500 April, he doesn't get sit down. Right. But it turned out to be a good thing for him. He came back and played better, but I, I, you know, hindsight 2020. Sure. I think that's probably the best of let him start in Memphis. I, I thought it was a huge mistake. I said it from the very beginning. I was like, well, if you're going to, the, the idea in my mind was if you were going to keep him up, you had to play him every day. There's no mm-hmm. point mm-hmm. in letting this future cornerstone of your franchise to come up and then sit on the bench. Well, they did play him because he had his little hit streak going, but he had no idea how to play the outfield was completely clueless and didn't really figure much out until very later on in the season. And part of the problem when you have a a pitching staff that is a pitch to contact team, uh, when they hit the ball, you got to have the guys out there that can go get it and do the right things and take the right routes. And we all know that, Jordan Walker wasn't ready yet. He wasn't ready to be an outfielder at the major league level. Some say he may not be yet. Like he's still working on things and I like the progress. Obviously he's got the cannon for the arm, but I just, I just didn't understand it when you already had four legit dudes that were going to need playing time. They were already starters. You know, you're talking about Alec Burleson being on the team too. You had him pegged ahead of Jordan Walker going into the season. You had to have, you know, and to just keep him up on the roster uh, I just thought it was a bad idea. I, I, I didn't like it. I, I didn't think it made a lot of sense. And you can't tell me that those first few weeks that he was up on the major league roster, that that's when they noticed all of a sudden he needed to work on a launch angle. You can't tell me that you hadn't seen that already in his time down at double a or in spring training. And I, it, it, I think exactly what you said, whereas this is exciting. We should we should let him be there on opening day so everybody can cheer him on, and it's really really cool story. But was it in the best interest for Jordan Walker and the team? I don't think so. Yeah. Well, and you made, it's funny you mentioned the launch angle thing because I, I remember an interview, and I I was looking for it earlier, and I couldn't find it. Uh, but I remember an interview he did after he got back, and uh, they said, you know, well, you know, what did you learn when you were down? And and he said, quite frankly, that. You know, what they were trying to have him do for launch angle didn't work for him. So he went back to his way and just concentrated, concentrated on contact. And he said, I figured I'd let the chips fall where they may. Well, it worked for him. You know, part of me is wondering, is there a problem we need to worry about here? If the hitter, if, if the kids at 19, 20, and 21 years old are making their own decisions about hitting that are working better than what the, what the instructors are telling them. I mean, it's it's bizarre if he's saying, nope, not going to do it, and I'm just going to do what I do because, obviously, I was really good doing it that way. I, that was one thing that I thought was strange was, like, he's been pretty good. Why, why are we changing things? What, what was it that was such a problem here? We all know that he was – it's not like he's a 40-home run guy so far coming up through the system. He could turn into that for sure, but at the time, he's 20 when, he was, when they were talking about this. Like, he's just a kid. I was like, shouldn't we just be working on him hitting the ball hard and stuff? Like, I, I thought he was doing quite well at that. They yeah. liked that, and they ship him down, and it was just, it was just a bizarre situation. And I think really what it was is like you saw a guy who's super talented and had to get used to facing major league pitching when he'd only reached double A and had been out of high school for two years. Like, it's going to take some adjustments. Like, even the best of the best who are older than Jordan Walker – 
takes them a little time to get used to major league hitting. Like uh, they didn't send Mason Wynn back down and go work on your launch angle, kid. No, he, <laughs> you know, you got to let them work through this and they'll, they'll figure it out because they're that talented. And um, whether or not that's true that he just said, no, I'm not doing what you guys are telling me. I, I don't know. I, I remember the interview that you're talking about. He was in the yeah. dugout and they mentioned it to him. And then he, he kind of said, well, I just kind of went back to things that I was already pretty good at. So whether or not he, he just blew him off, I find that a little hard to believe. I'm sure he yeah. worked on some things and they were like, okay, we're happy with that. And um, when they realized that he needed to be in the lineup every day, obviously he was going to get better because, you know, he's a top talent. Some had him as rated as the best hitting prospect in baseball this year. Of course, he's going to figure it out eventually. He's that good. How about you, yeah. Danny? Any thought on that? Well, and yeah, and I think that, I think to some degree, what, at least what I remember Walker's kind of implying there was he started going up to the to the plate with too much in his head and he tried to really kind of clear it out, which, you know, still taking the instruction that he had. Um, but yeah, I think that, you know, to some degree, yeah, you, you would like to have seen him just play through it. But again, we've seen the Cardinals do that quite often with their young players to send them back to Memphis after a while, you know, um, you know, we'll have to see how Mason Wynn does. I mean, obviously he was playing in a different type of situation with no, no, no expectations. Um, right. And we'll see if he starts the year next year at, at shortstop or and you know, forward, but uh, that has been the case, what they've done. And, and at least in this situation, it seems to have worked because the, you know, the underlying numbers were, were better. And part of it is like what JD is saying, he's just figuring it out and seeing more of it, but uh, there may have been a few tweaks that they made at Memphis as well. Yeah. I mean, it were, it, 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 if you look at the, you look at the most recent case would be Nolan Gorman uh, last mm. year, you know, came up, had the little slump struggle, sent back down, came back up, you know, and then this year it's like the light switch turned on. I mean, till he got hurt at first and he was, he was lights out. I mean, that was all there was to it. So maybe Walker will do the same thing. You never know. Uh, the Tyler O'Neill incident. Did we make too much of that? I mean, cause people are still bringing it up. Uh, mostly as a condemnation of, of uh, Marmol, but um, was that was that a big to do about nothing, or was there some actual fire in that smoke? I think it's mainly it was about nothing. I mean, there was something there, and it sounded like to me, from what we've seen, we've heard from from the past, it was something that maybe the clubhouse should have taken care of, and they weren't. Um, and Marmol then had to step in. There is some some look at that way um i do think that maybe it could have been addressed a little bit differently but you know it, it was this, it's a situation where everything was going wrong and then that comes up and everybody kind of latched onto that if they had won the next two games i think everybody ignores it but they were in the middle of a losing streak in a terrible month and yeah i think it's a it's a it's an easy thing to kind of grasp onto to much like the wilson Contreras stuff which probably had a little bit more impact than than that incident yeah i would say the um i i just didn't like the way they communicated in that situation like i i, I don't need ali calling out tyler o'neill there in that situation that he should have been running harder he knows that or if he was trying to save his legs, if that if that's what was going on, um, like I feel like they would have known that that he was gonna not go a hundred percent all the time because of the you know past injuries. That was something that would have been agreed upon. That, that if that was the case, I don't see why Ollie would have called him out in the post game and mentioned something about it. Uh, but I just think it was handled badly on Ollie's part. That's something where 
You keep it in the clubhouse, and it'd be all you had to all you had to do was say, "I'll have a conversation with Tyler about it, and we'll 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 get it worked out." You know, we we know what we expect at this level, and uh, we'll get it we'll get it figured out. And it would have been dead. It would have been dead right there. But the way he went about it. And then Tyler finding out about what Ali had just said at his locker. And he's oh, that's very interesting. Like immediately you're like, uh oh, <laughs> we've got <laughs> we've got an issue here because uh clearly th- th- there didn't need to there just needed to be an A B conversation. Yeah. It shouldn't have gone through the media to get to Tyler or vice versa about how he felt about it. I just think it was handled poorly. Um and you know, you didn't really see any situations like that later on, but like Daniel said, the Wilson Contreras shenanigans was was way bigger than what this tyler o'neill situation should have been do you think the o'neill situation would have been different had it come closer to the end of the year because we saw Mm. o'neill sit out a lot in that second half right it seemed like every couple of days he was out for a back or he didn't feel like he'd go even when the situation looked like he was going to be in the lineup he scratched and stuff like that if we had the season like that and then you know, you have an incident like that. Do you think people are more likely to be in on, on board with like, yeah, somebody needed to say something to him about playing harder or is it would it have been the same thing? That's a good question. Uh, you know, I, I don't know the answer to that, but I, I think, you know, and what we've seen with Tyler and Pat, and especially last year, last year. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, his running into walls. I mean, I think nobody's ever questioned the guy's hustle. Uh, really, I mean, so it was kind of a strange comment to me and, and I, I'm like you guys, I think it could have handled it, been handled in better, handled in house, handled internally, not published in, or not, uh, put in front of reporters and whatnot. But, um, you know, I, cause I'm just surprised it, it had the legs it did. And in some respects still has a little bit of leg going to it. So you guys mentioned Wilson Contreras, both of you did not, that was going to be my next one. Um, you know, closely after the O'Neill thing, now we got Contreras involved in a drum with with management and coaching staff. But, I mean, how dysfunctional was that team in May, in April and May when all this went down? I mean, it was very confusing. It was a confusing time. The the Cardinals are losing. They're not winning games. And uh and, and where the report started, where like who slipped it, where it was like, yeah, we're gonna start putting him in left field. I don't know where that actually came from. Like it, all of a sudden the media picked up on it and ran with it. I don't know who slipped that information, but I mean that right there, you're just like, what are what are we doing? Like what what is this? What is this front office and what is what is what does Ollie think? What are we doing here? Like, why would we be signing a catcher to the largest free agent contract you've ever signed anybody to and then stick him into left field after a month? Like, what went wrong here? Um, as Daniel mentioned earlier, where he was like, yeah, they, uh, you know, he even stayed behind to learn the cardinal way of doing things to handle the pitching staff, even though some of the pitchers weren't there. But still, the idea of you know, you're going to be the person that calls the game and this is what you need to do and how you need to prepare for each game. And then all of a sudden in May, we we have he has no idea what he's doing. He's calling pitches from pitchers reportedly that they don't even throw. You're going to stick him into left field now when you already have five outfit. Like, what are we doing? Like, it was the weirdest situation. Like, that's the kind of stuff you heard from other franchises. Like, the Cardinals don't have that kind of drama go on. And to see it happening in front of us, like I, I was in disbelief. I was like, "Who? Wh- wh- how are we running the show here? This is a disaster." 
I think oh, I don't remember. Go, go ahead, Daniel. Well, go I ahead. was going to say I don't think I remember which media person it was. Mm-hmm. It may have been Jeff Jones, but around that time, it really kind of indicated that the Cardinals didn't know what to do when they were losing. Um, they were kind of flailing around trying to figure out some way to right the ship, and even if it tossed about, you know, making as as drastic changes as possible. Um, yeah, that just it didn't make a lot of sense. I mean, if you on one hand, if you've made, if you think you've made a mistake, you shouldn't just keep making the same mistake, but it's only been a month. You're right. And, and there, you know, and, and, and it wasn't his fault for that. Now I will say it allowed Wilson Contreras to be embraced by Cardinal fans a lot faster than I think he would have been otherwise coming from the Cubs organization. Uh, everybody rallied around well, Contreras and, and it, you know, we'll see how this goes forward. You know, they talked about having a meeting with him this offseason about his defense. We'll see how, you know, if this rears its head again in the future. Well, I, uh, that, that, that's something else I want to bring up real quick, Donald, was that. Sure. How, did they not know what they were getting? Wilson right. Contreras has been in Chicago for years and you've been mm-hmm. playing against him. You know what kind of catcher he is. We all knew he wasn't a great defensive catcher. We all knew he wasn't great at calling games. He's got a great arm behind the plate, but outside right. of that, hasn't been a, a great catcher. He's an offensive weapon who happens to play the position of catcher. If that's not what you were looking for and you needed somebody to be the next Yadier Molina and just run the show, why were you signing this guy in the first place? Because he's never done that. That has never been a Wilson Contreras trait behind the plate. Everybody knows that. And we knew it when he, when we signed him, like all of us, and I'm sure Daniel, Donald, you knew too. They were like, well, obviously the defense is going to take a hit behind home plate because that's not who Wilson Contreras is. But yeah. now we're going to be in the upper echelon with offense at the catcher position. And that that's why you signed him. And it ended up being exactly what you paid him for. He was, he never changed who he was. Right. He delivered exactly what he was supposed to do. But that's a huge mistake on the Cardinals' part if they expected him to become this almighty catcher behind the plate and do things that Yadier Molina did. Then right. that is real. That's on them. That's just a bonehead decision on their part. Yeah. I, I, well, I said when you know I, I was a little harsh when it, the trade or the uh, signing initially went down. I I didn't like it from day one uh, because I went and I kept going back to Mo's comment before the winter meetings. We're going after the best all-around catcher we can find. Now, clearly to me, that was Sean Murphy. He was up for grabs. Yeah. Would we have had to part with a couple of players maybe some people didn't want to part with? Yeah, possibly. But I think we had enough in the the system, and we could have overloaded them with picks, with prospects, and said, here, you take these guys, and we'll take him. I mean, because that's ultimately what they ended up getting from – Los Angeles and, right. and Milwaukee, or not Los Angeles, Atlanta and Atlanta. Milwaukee. Yeah. Um, so I, I didn't like that to start with, but then to sit there, and like you said, J.D., and they knew, they've played against this guy. They knew what he was. They've, they've seen all the reports. And to sit there and think that this guy can be an all-around catcher when he's never distri- uh, demonstrated that in his career, like you said, I think it was just a big mistake. And now they're paying for it. Hey, I want to talk midseason moves here in a minute, right after this. Have you heard about Liquid IV? 
Well, it's a new way to hydrate, and it's the number one powdered sports drink in America. It delivers two times faster hydration than water alone and three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks. It uses cellular transport technology, which acts as a hydration multiplier, designed to deliver more rapid absorption of water into the body. It also delivers key vitamins like B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C. It's non-GMO, contains no soy or dairy, and it's gluten-free. Comes in a variety of formulas and flavors. They have a regular electrolyte replacement formula, which I have found helpful when I'm out in the yard or working in the garage and get a little thirsty. There's a energy hydration formula, which I've used in my writing. You know, you know we've got to get a podcast in. Well, well, take a couple, take a drink of that. Every time I need a little pick-me-up. There's an immune-boosting formula that helps fights off colds. There's also a kombucha blend for dietary health and even a formula for better sleep through hydration. They have a multitude of flavors. I'm particularly partial to the golden cherry, azu pineapple, strawberry lemonade, and lemon-lime. Uh, they also have a pina colada, a Concord grape, I mean, you, you name it, they've got a flavor. There's very light, they're refreshing, I mean, no aftertaste. Now, it's also, they've developed a sugar-free line of flavors. Uh, lemon, lime, sea berry, I think is another one. Uh, they've set up a, a line of hydration for kids. Uh, and Concord grape, crisp apple, tropical punch banana, and cotton candy. Liquid IV is conveniently packaged in individual pouches or sticks, so you can take them literally anywhere. The beach, the gym, the office, school, even on an airplane. Did you know that the humidity in an airplane cabin is 5-12% to less than the Sahara Desert? So long flights, you can get dehydrated, and that leads to jet lag. Coffee, tea, alcohol during the flight, that won't help. Ask for a bottle of water, drop in the contents of one packet, give it a shake, and you've got instant hydration. Liquid IV also cares about the world we live in, so they resource sustainable materials from family farms. They use 100% recycled materials in their packaging, and they're involved in providing grants totaling up to $1.3 million to expand access to clean and abundant water in other countries. So right now, go to liquidiv.com, use the code GCS at checkout to get 20% off. That's liquidiv.com, code GCS. You can also shop Better Hydration using my link, zen.ai slash Talking Sports on the Bleachers, and get 20% off anything you buy. That's 20% off anything you buy. Check out Hydration Multiplication. Try Liquid IV. Go to liquidiv.com using the promo code GCS at checkout. All right, we're back with J.D. Halfron and Daniel Shoptaw talking about the 2023 St. Louis Cardinals season of disappointment, if you will, or have someone called it the great train wreck. Uh, we've talked early part about the, the early part about the season and how I know it was different for a lot of fans. But when it came to the, to the mid-season point where we got close to the trade deadline, when did you guys – think they were selling. I know uh, earlier before the show, you, you said something about June, J.D., so why don't you go ahead and start? Yeah, I, I knew it when the, the San Francisco series at Bush Stadium went down. We, we'd gone down that road where they beat them in San Francisco on the walk-off on Helsley, and then you had the Gallegos giving up the shot at Bush Stadium, and I was like, I, I, I've seen enough, man. We are three months into this, and nothing has changed. 
why would anything change before we have to make decisions by the trade deadline? And that was really when I was like, all right, I'm done getting mad about it. I'm not going to get angry. Let's start focusing on what we need to do, what went wrong here, and how do we move forward? And obviously, trade deadline moves was um, the right call. Like, uh, I remember for a couple of weeks right before that, I guess they won a few games and people were like, maybe we should hang on to these guys. I'm like, you're an (laughs) idiot. What are you kidding me? What do you think they're going to make this amazing comeback? No, you got to get what you can for these guys because outside of Jordan Montgomery and Jordan Hicks, I wasn't interested in bringing any of these guys back anyway. So um, that's when I, I, I kind of realized that, that that's the path that they were on. And uh, I don't know if I'm getting ahead of myself here, but like uh, I, I was pretty happy with the haul that they were able to receive considering all of these guys are in walk years. You know, they were all going to be free agents right. and have a chance to leave not only the Cardinals, but leave these teams that they got traded to. Right. Yeah, I, I think that, yeah, it was early. It was, you know, you're looking at junior. And it, really the only question was, would they stop at the free agents? You know, would they go into a little bit deeper of, uh, you know, are they moving a Tyler O'Neill? Are they moving, you know, somebody else like a, a Tommy Evan? Are they packaging some stuff together to get a, you know, a pitcher that would work this year? Um, and And they didn't do that. And that's fine. I think that they did what they had to do. Um, and, and like you said, did very well in, in bringing people back. Um, but yeah, I was a little concerned. There was that run in like right after the all-star break where mm-hmm. Milwaukee was struggling and the Cardinals won like three or four or something like that, which may have been their best run of the year. And um, they got within like seven games. I was like, I, I know they're not going to, I'm afraid the front office is going to believe they're going to. And, and thankfully the front office stuck to their guns. I think that, there was nothing they were going to, nothing that Cardinals would have done that they would not have traded those guys. And, uh, you know, for that, even that right there is a change in what the front office has done in the past. Yeah, very true. Yeah, I, I think it was kind of like mid June for me. They were on that, uh, four, they were like 14, I think maybe 15 games out. And I'm like, okay, you know, I, I, I can see it coming. It's, it's going to happen. It, like you said, it was just a matter of who they were going to trade. Uh, and I, I'm kind of like you, Daniel. They put that little five, six game run there right after the All Star break, and I'm like, okay, we're well, maybe we're back within nine games, and you know, then again, reality reared its ugly head, and I'm like, okay, I was right the first time. Uh, so, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, uh, getting uh, kind of going on that. What do you guys think of the halls we dig? I personally, I thought Flair the the uh, Flaherty deal was the best deal, uh, the best return we got. And I think Mont the deal for Monty wasn't too bad. Um, not real crazy about the other two. I mean, I, I I'm not seeing a value on those. I mean, there might be, but um, what do you guys think? I think the I mean, obviously, if in hindsight, of course, at the time it was interesting, but in hindsight, I don't think there's any doubt that Montgomery trade was the best trade when you get in a Dakota Roby, who probably immediately jumps to being your top pitching prospect. Um, and then you see Thomas Segacy who just lit up double a, um, you know, to get that return for Mont Montgomery and, and Stratton, who I, I don't think has yet even pitched the postseason, um, is, is incredible. Uh, the Flaherty move, they got good quantity. Um, we've seen Drew Rom obviously, and it, it looks like he still needs some work if he's going to be, uh, anything. 
Uh, so Zach Shell Walter is probably going to be the most intriguing part of that, but he's, you know, three or four years away probably. Um, and then, you know, I mean, to get anything for Hicks um, and Paul DeYoung uh, at all was pretty impressive just because of those, what those guys value probably was. Um, and I think they're, you know, we'll have to wait and see how those pan out. Okay. Yeah, I agree with you, Daniel. I, I, I think the Montgomery trade was actually the the biggest one uh not to put you on the spot donald but yeah no, that's all right there, no, that way uh because what what you're seeing out of Takoa roby like he was hurt right away and but after he got healthy and got into you know back into a, a normal pitching routine like looked pretty good at the end of the year he's over in the arizona fall league now uh i saw it in his first uh appearance there looked great um and then you know you mentioned thomas Sajasi. i mean he wins the mvp is up at AAA, um, and he's a guy that I, I brought it up on our, our podcast was uh, like the if you see the arrival and the rise of Thomas to JC coming up, does it make a guy like it easier to trade a guy like Edmund or Donovan this year to get pitching, knowing that you've got a guy who's you know can can do some similar things as far as playing infield positions. Mm-hmm. Um, is, does that make it easier on you to 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 move one of those guys, knowing that? you've got somebody who at every level he's played has uh, been able to hit. Uh, so uh, definitely like that one. Um, the Flaherty deal. I don't know what Cesar Prieto is going to be. Uh, apparently he can hit, and, but I I don't know. He's another guy that's kind of in that mold of Donovan, Donovan and Edmund, as far as uh, an infielder goes, where he can play uh, both positions up the middle, probably some third base as well. Um Drew Rahm, I wonder if his his role will be a bullpen role more than it will be a starting pitcher. You know, right. I'm curious if that's like where he starts uh, to, as far as helping the the major league club. If this is a spot, obviously he wasn't ready yet to be in the rotation, right. and that was okay. They they knew yeah. that, and it, I'm I'm glad he got some work in. And you saw some moments there too when he uh, pitched against Baltimore and Philly, like he was outstanding against both those clubs. But uh, mm-hmm. clearly had some things to work on. Um, and then you mentioned Joe Walter. Yeah. 19 years old, got hurt right away, uh, when he came over. And so we didn't hear much from him, but, uh, people say he could be like, uh, you know, kind of a, a hidden prospect there that it might be something someday. And with the Toronto trades, um, you know, trading relievers is a lot different than trading starting pitchers. So oh, yeah. ex- I wasn't expecting a, a huge haul in return for free agent to be Jordan Hicks. You know, I really, you know, I, I'm glad that they were able to get somebody. Sim Robertson um, was in the futures game. I mean, he's there for a reason. He's not some scrub. Um, so I, I, I wasn't unhappy with any of the trades that uh, ended up taking place. And like Daniel said, it was kind of nice just to get anything for Paul DeYoung. I mean, he, who knew? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. They got they got lucky there that Toronto needed a shortstop all of a sudden <laughs> because uh they were able to get at least something in return for him. Well, Toronto, then then San Francisco, and I don't know where he's playing now. Uh but yeah, well my my thing was on the on the 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 deal with Monty, uh, you know, we gave up two players in in, in him and Stratton to get what we got. So that's why I'm kind of saying, okay, uh plus I was not actually sold on Sagasi. Or Sagacy. 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 I was not actually sold on him. Uh, you know, I've kind of kind of adjusting my thinking now that I've seen what he's been doing. Because uh, his numbers really didn't, to me, when I was looking at him, they didn't really jump on the page at me. Um, so I, I, I like the Showalter as far as, uh, you know, that Flaherty deal. I think Showalter is the one in that deal that made that one come true to me. Because 
you got a kid like that who's showing that much promise at that age. Um, you know, I think that's kind of a neat deal. Um, and I think, uh, I, I'm like, I think Rom's not going to be a, a rotation piece, but I think it'll be a really solid bullpen piece, uh, yeah. at some point down the road. So, you know, we'll see. Could we have gotten a little bit better? I don't know. Uh, like you said, definitely not probably for Hicks or, uh, or, or DeYoung. And I'm like you, Daniel, I was kind of surprised that O'Neill wasn't gone or, um, well, he was or, hurt, so because he was hurt, nobody so wanted, nobody wanted yes, him. They yeah. were like, "What well, are yeah. you gonna do with him?" We traded we traded Harrison Bader when he was hurt, so you know. Uh... Yeah, but he was on his <laughs> way back quickly. Like that, that was yeah. uh, we had no idea when Tyler O'Neill was going to show up again, and if he does, yeah. what made you think he was not going to get hurt again? Like, well, no, uh, to be true. fair, nobody expected Harrison Bader to be traded either. And well, yeah, that was the Yankee, and thankfully he was because that got us Montgomery, which gets us into the conversations we're having now. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, 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 Donald, you didn't like Thomas the JC's numbers. You don't like MVP numbers. You hate those. It's not that I didn't like him. I just didn't trust. <laughs> I didn't trust. I mean, it, it's 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 minor league numbers, you know. And I just didn't trust him. Uh, you know, we'll see. Because uh, he's kind of growing on me. He's, you know, he. I wanted to kind of see what what he would do. Uh, he's growing on me. And I think you're right on Roby. If Roby shows up the way that he is projected, which is again. I wasn't 100% sure on, but I've watched a couple of pieces of clips from the fall uh, league, and he does have some pretty wicked stuff. I, I'll give the kid that. And, uh, you know, how quickly he moves through, he's in double now, how quickly he moves through into triple A, we'll see. If he can move through quick enough, then, yeah, I think then the Montgomery trade is probably the better of the, of the bunch. In that respect, and the, and the question is, can the Cardinals develop any of these young pitchers? Because they haven't well, shown that they can do that very well over the last yeah. few years. That's true too. That's true too. I mean, you got all this talent. Now, can they work with it, or how are they going to work with it? We kind of touched on a couple guys. Were there any guys that really we should have gotten rid of, other than the four we did, or five we did? I guess. I don't. I don't know that there's anybody you should have gotten with. We don't know what the deals were, right? And and I'm assuming that if there was any sort of significant deal, the Cardinals would have gone with it. Um, you know, I think that Tommy Edmund has some value in other places. Um, it's difficult to try to trade Tyler O'Neill or Dylan Carlson right now because their value is so low. Right. Um, you know, and maybe that's an off-season thing that you right. you, you sell somebody on a potential there. But yeah, I don't, I think the Cardinals did what they had to do. And I don't think that anybody should have been too disappointed with what they did. Mm -hmm. I, I was kind of thinking, I, I thought maybe they might try and unload some of the outfield uh, planning for uh, T, uh, Tyler's return, maybe, mm -hmm. and maybe a uh, dumping like a Burleson, um, somebody like that at the deadline uh, in a package deal for, for something. Um, he wouldn't have got you much, but you know, he, you could throw him in a package deal, maybe get a more of a veteran or MLB pitcher that you can count on for next year. Kisner, I thought was another one. They might think about the way Herrera was tearing up, uh, the league down there and they, everybody was saying, he's ready to come up. He's ready to come up. He's ready to come up. The only thing blocking him was Kisner. So I, you know, a couple of those I thought might, they might have, done some shopping with but like you said we don't know what deals were asked and what deals were promised and so it's just kind of hard to see um and plus you know if they're may the other thing i thought was if they were making the commitment to Contreras as a catcher 
and they knew her rare or they're planning on her rare to be up next year. You know, my thought was, why not try and unload Kisner? But, you know, obviously they had better ideas or different ideas anyway. <laughs> yeah, I would just assume that the deals that like we know that the Cardinals value their players maybe a little more than other franchises do. <laughs> and uh, I I wonder if just the deals they were like, yeah, this is kind of silly. I mean, you don't ever want to sell low. That's bad business. And right. some of those guys like you would be selling low on just to get rid of them. So why not hang on to them and see if uh, their value increases in the off season. So mm-hmm. I think that's more what they were shooting for. If they're like, like Daniel said, if there was something that blew them away and it was really good, they wouldn't have oh, yeah, they pulled, pulled the trigger, trigger. cause they, they were ready to, to move on mm-hmm. from anybody who was a, a free agent, <laughs> a free agent to be for sure. Oh, and for anybody sure. that, you know, they were unhappy with, but uh, again, like, you know, trying to unload somebody like, you know, Carlson or Tyler O'Neill, you can't do that when they're hurt and there's no timetable if they're coming back. You know, right. that's that's what I think made the Bader situation last year a little bit different was Bader was just about back and the Yankees knew that the Cardinals knew that and they were able to make a, a good baseball trade because Bader did well for the Yankees in the yeah. offseason last year. Like he pretty much did what they needed out of him and included a little pop. And obviously Montgomery was fantastic in St. Louis. Yeah. Uh, looking back on this season, I mean, we've had a lot of, like you said, a lot of, uh, underwhelming performances and guys that maybe haven't lived up to what they, what we were hoping. Who impressed, who's impressed you so far this year? I think Brendan Donovan made the most, was most impactful. I mean, Nolan Gorman obviously did well, although he had his, his streaks and some really, really rough months, but, you know, I don't know that I expected Brendan Donovan to be anything more than, the stubby clap you know the bare bones kind of guy that might have had a good rookie year but then you know the league figures him out and not only did they not he came back with some power and has probably vaulted himself into a position where the cardinals you know if they do trade him they should get some significant value and they probably won't trade him at all so yeah i i think if you're looking at somebody that that surprised especially i would go with brandon donovan yeah, it's hard to disagree with that. Uh, he was, I mean, for a guy that just a couple of years ago, we didn't even know who that guy was. Like, he mm-hmm. wasn't like some top 30 pro. He wasn't anything special. And he just was one of those, like like Daniel said, like, you're like, maybe he's like a stubby clap kind of guy, a glue guy that just, you know, kind of fits a role. And now you're talking about, I mean, do you keep him and trade guys like Gorman instead so mm-hmm. you can get better pitching in, in return for him? Uh, that's where he's put himself. It was unfortunate that the elbow injury took him down because obviously he was having a fantastic year and um, that, that was unfortunate. I I would also say, and I want to give credit to Wilson Contreras. Mm -hmm. We know that the defensive stuff wasn't great, but to go through all of the stuff that (laughs) he went through this year and Mm -hmm. to still put up the numbers he did, like at the end of the year, you know, you're talking a guy who, you know, a three-time all-star behind the plate, obviously for offense. And even though, he made the trade and then there was the rumors that he wasn't going to be a catcher anymore. And then he got benched and he got embarrassed by the team and they talked all this stuff about him. And then he able to fight through. And like you said, he like the Cardinal nation that he galvanized Cardinal day. They all started to root for him and he fell oh, yeah. off of that. And we got, we got villain Willie became a thing and it was <laughs> great to finally have a bad guy on your team that, upset other players like other teams you know <laughs> like it's nice to have that guy it's good to oh, have yeah. a little attitude there just like Molina was and um I, I embraced him I thought it 
considering what he went through and how bad things got there for a little bit to come through and be the hitter he was, uh, like his numbers were sick in the second half of the season. Like I'm mm-hmm. talking hitting 330 and stuff like that. It was bonkers what he ended up doing. So I, I would like to give Wilson Contreras some credit for for powering okay. through being a stand-up guy. And how about the emotion after catching Wainwright's 200th? Like that that's the stuff that we love as Cardinal fans. And uh, I i respect him for it. Well, yeah. And like I said, I, I may not have been a big on when they made the trade for him. I won't say he's actually won me over, but I, I have come to respect him behind the plate uh, or at least in the lineup. Uh, I think he kind of, I'm like, you. Yeah, I think he kind of got a raw deal with, uh, with the whole flare up that they had. And for him to, like you say, work through that and still put up numbers, you, you got to tip your cap to him on that. I'm like you with, with Donovan, but I'm also going to say, even though I expected to see him improve, I was very pleased with the turnaround or the improvement in Gorman, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I knew he'd come around to hitting. I mean, that was, I think, was a given. He was going to come around to hitting. And this power, you just... You just can't find his power anywhere. But the the strides he made on defense, I think you, you can't really overlook that. You know. Yeah, so, he was but he was much better at second base than I think a lot of us thought yeah. he was going to be, just because of the body type that he is. Like oh, he yeah. Is a, he's a third baseman playing second base. Like he does not look like any second baseman that we're used to at least. And you know, he's a tank out there. So uh, I I think he did a commendable job at second again, uh, learning a new position where he hasn't been playing second, you know, his whole career, like he's been a third baseman. So to switch over the last couple of years and to do okay <laughs> at second base and not embarrass himself uh i think that's great and yeah of course the the power elite level power you know uh this is 40 home run 50 home run power type of guy that he's showing like his percentages of uh home runs per at bat are top five in in the league like he's got that mm-hmm. i worry about the back issues mm-hmm. uh, i don't like to see mm-hmm. a young guy mm-hmm. dealing with back issues every couple of weeks i don't i hope he's not the next tyler o'neill where he's got all of this talent but he can't stay on the field because mm. of uh, exactly. because of injuries. So I, I worry a little bit about it, and I, ho- I hope they can figure that out. Whatever it, he needs to do to – I don't know whether it's happening because of his hitting or because of him playing second base, the way he's fielding. I, I have no idea what's flaring up those back problems, but I hope they can nip it in the bud for next season because it would be nice to see him out there for, you know, 145, 150 mm-hmm. games. I agree. I agree. Okay, we're going to take a look at what the future holds right after we hear this from the Wiley Group. Hello, this is Don Glenn from Talking Sports on the Bleachers at Gateway City Sports. We all know how important it is to stay protected. Just like a quarterback stays protected in the pocket, you need to have the things in your life protected. Because we all know, sometimes life throws you a curve. And that's why you need Allstate. The Wiley Group has two locations in Festus and Arnold to serve you. They offer home, auto, boat, motorcycle, business, life insurance, investments, and much more. They offer a customized approach that is unique to your situation to make sure you, your family, and your assets are properly protected. They also have great rates and savings. So give Sean and his team a call today, 636-764-6294. Again, that's 636-764-6294. They'll help you with an insurance quote right over the phone. I mean, that's how they roll, folks. Even give them a call if you just want to talk sports. 
Maybe I should have him on the show someday. With work and kids and social functions, we all have busy lives. So you can also email Sean at seanwiley at allstate.com. That's S-E-A-N-W-I-L-E-Y at allstate.com. Talk to him about your coverage options. And remember, you're in good hands with Allstate. Okay, guys, in the final segment, I want to take a, we've kind of looked at the season before. We've looked at what we have. So what's going to happen here as we're moving forward? And I want to start with the comment from Mo. Then this is somewhere in like July. He made this comment or maybe it's, no, it's August after the trade deadline. Uh, realistically, we know we have to add three starters this offseason. We know we have to add depth. We went into this season thinking we would have the re- have it have that covered. It didn't work out that way. Having a repeat of that would not be in the best interest of the franchise. So I think our approach is going to be very aggressive on the pitching side. We'll see where it takes us. Uh, (laughs) We've heard this before. (laughs) I I feel like this is another situation where Mo kind of sticks his foot in his mouth. Like, why are you giving us a number? Well, don't tell me you're going to go get three. Because if then if you don't, now we can all just tear you apart for it. Just like this past off season where it's uh oh payroll's going up, it's going up. Mm. I mean, don't tell me that and then have it go up a fraction. Like right. we thought you were legit, like going up to maybe two hundred million dollars, like you were gonna push the push the payroll up, and that didn't happen. And you know, obviously we all reacted the way we did. We're like Liar! Why did you say that? Then don't tell me that, and then don't follow through with that. I think he, I think he's made a huge mistake by putting a number out there. He should have just oh. left it. And we're well, gonna, we're going to look at starting pitching. We're going to look at bullpen. We need help in both areas, and then that's it. You don't have to say anything more. See, I'm more encouraged with the fact that he he said a number because I feel like this organization, when it goes out and says it's going to do something, like he said. They said payroll was going to go up. They never did say it was going to go up by a lot. And we assumed that because of what he said that. And and it, it is frustrating, but it did go up. Um, (laughs) They, they went into this offseason last year at this time. What are they saying? They're saying, we're going to go get a catcher. Catcher. You know, they didn't, they didn't say we need to look at the catching. We need to look at opportunities when they start talking about, we're going to look at opportunities to get better or things like that. That's too vague. And that lets them off the hook. I think you're, uh, JD, you're right. I mean, when he says three starters, you know, he knows that he's going to be held accountable. So I do better, feel better go get him. <laughs> exactly. Now we're going to argue whether he got the, the, the best quality starters or, or whatever. I don't think they're going to go out and get, you know, a whole bunch of middle rotation guys or, or lottery tickets or anything like that. But if they do, then yeah, he's going to be held accountable. But I, I think that when you hear that, and I think most importantly, this season was an embarrassment to this organization mm-hmm. and to a, an ownership that, you know, wants to win. They want to win on their terms. I'll give you that. But I do feel like they, they know what Cardinal baseball means to everybody and they don't want that to happen again. So I think this offseason is going to be a lot different than normal. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I, we've heard this before, but I'm like you, Daniel, I think, if I read into that, you read into that statement all you want, but I think the one thing is when he says the thing about having a repeat of that would not be in the best interest of the franchise. To me, right there, he's admitting I screwed up, guys, and I and it's on me to fix it. Whether he does it or not is going to be another story. But I think I'm like I'm Daniel. I'm encouraged by that part of the statement. He's at least owning up to that. 
the fact that he screwed this up. He's the one that screwed the pooch. Now he's got to fix it. You know, so uh, I, I'm 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 encouraged by um like the attitude that I'm hearing mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. in these post season comments uh, by Ali as well, where mm-hmm. he's like, "Look, the Cardinal Nation should be upset. They should be right. angry. They should be calling for my head." And we're going to fix this because we're not doing this again. This is not mm-hmm. going to happen again. Yeah. Um, and to, to know that Mo is, you know, admitted in his own way that like, yeah, the, you know, we thought we did something right and we were totally wrong. We need to adjust the way we go about the type of pitchers we're looking for, who mm-hmm. we have on this team. Um, I think they underestimated what the shift changes, how that was going to affect what, uh, and I don't have the stats that say that, right. yeah, man, this right. is what it was. But clearly when you have guys that are not swing and miss type of guys, you expect, first off, you have to have your defense playing well, which it did not this year. That's no. not the pitcher's fault. Uh, but the other side of it is that, you know, where balls normally would have went into a shift are now finding the slim holes. I mean, how many times mm-hmm. did we hear soft contact hits? I mean, we mm-hmm. heard that to death this year. I don't, it doesn't matter. They're still hits, you know, right. and maybe those were outs in 2022, but this year yeah. they were finding holes and it would just snowball from there. So um, I think they realize what they have to do. Um, they know what kind of player they need, what kind of pitchers that they need for not only the starting rotation, but also the bullpen that, that we got to remember that was a disaster too. the amount of blown saves and just uh, it was bad. They got to fix that as well. And um, the question is, is, we don't know what their price limit is going to be. Like how far are they willing to go to pull in somebody like Aaron Nola or a Sonny Gray or a Blake Snell? If they, if, you know, we've heard talk that they've done their due diligence on him, which I mean, uh, well, you should, you should be doing it on everybody. Like you should yeah. always be at everybody. I don't know why it's news. That should, why wouldn't you like yes. what, what franchise is not going? We should look into Blake Snell. He might be onto something out there. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, you're yeah. supposed to. Do that. That's your job, but that's the only thing we don't know is we don't know what yeah. their spending um, habits are going to be this off season. So um, it's going to be. Well, it's, it's, it's funny be- you should mention. It's funny you should mention that, JD, because that, that does kind of lead me to a comment by Bill DeWitt the third. I guess right. he just made this a day or two ago, uh, kind of hinting that the Cardinals plan to climb the payroll rankings. Now, right. what that what that actually means. Who knows? Well, I don't think they have any choice, right? I mean, if you're going I mean, well, to get three don't. starters, no. I mean, if yeah. you're going out and getting three starters, I mean, even even when you're going out and getting, you know, middle of the road pitching is going to cost you more than what you're spending. I mean, they're going to have to go up. Now, I, I do think that they they plan to make that a significant jump, um, mm-hmm. but we'll see. I mean, and then the, you know, it also takes two people to tango, right? I mean, they can go out and make really good offers. We saw that number of years ago, right? David Price right. was going to be a Cardinal. Uh, mm-hmm. They made a significant offer to him. And all of a sudden, the last minutes about Red Sox come out over the top. And I mean, you know, you hope that they get ahead of that, that curve and they get at least some, but uh, it is good to know that, you know, they're not just saying we're going to raise payroll. Like JD was saying last year, it's just kind of, kind of vague. It's like, we're going to spend more than other teams. And then you have the, Ollie's comment of I want a clubhouse full of guys that has one thing in their mind and it's not themselves. It's winning a championship. So you start by weeding those out. Who's he talking yeah. about? <laughs> well, we can make guesses. Um, That's all we can, of, but yeah. A, cu- a couple of, the, I mean, obviously the, the, 
person that a lot of people who's actually still on the team, a lot of people brought up was that like, oh, that's Tyler O'Neill. It's got to mm-hmm. be Tyler O'Neill. He just Tyler doesn't O'Neal. seem to be the guy that is willing to go out there when he's hurt. And I don't know that. I don't know how hurt, hurt this guy is all the time. Obviously, it's enough that he's not on the field. But um, I think Jack Flaherty might have been one of those guys. I think Hennessy uh, Cabrera was one of those guys. Clearly, they were like, all right, we're done with you. We're DFA. You, you're out of here. <laughs> like, we can't have you in this clubhouse anymore. Um, I, 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 I had one of the guys from uh, our Locked on Cubs. Uh, he was like, could be Wilson Contreras. And I was yeah. like, well, it, ju- it sure didn't feel like he was somebody who wasn't on board with anything they wanted. But he said that they had some issues with him in his final year with the Cubs, where I kind of brought up like, well, you didn't want to resign him. You didn't want him anymore. Yet you didn't trade him. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I would yeah. have been not all right with all of it, you know, That'll doing everything you opinion. want me to do anymore. Yeah, I can understand why he'd be like that in his last year. Um I don't know. I mean, it, those are the the names that a lot of people brought up. Um, some people said Dylan Carlson. I, I find that hard to believe, though. He just does not seem like the guy that, I mean, every injury that he's had seems is pretty significant. You know, I mean, obviously mm-hmm. having surgery on the ankle and stuff. So it's not like he was, oh, I'm swollen. I can't go out there. Like, no, it was, it was a legit injury. And then he had the uh, oblique going on with that. So um those were the names that we came up with when I just kind of brainstormed with people. It was uh, an O'Neill and a Flaherty just attitude wise. I think as far as Flaherty goes, people, he just rubbed people the wrong way. I don't know if Jack Flaherty's a good guy or not, but people didn't like his body language on the mound, just kind of the way he carried himself. And I don't know if other players in the clubhouse had issues with him. I'd never really heard that, but um, he was a guy. And then Cabrera was the other one that I thought was, clearly they were not him and Ali didn't get along since he spiked the ball on the mound the previous year. It just didn't <laughs> seem like his, well, his time with the Cardinals was going to be much longer. Well, and Cabrera coming out and saying that he thought he should have, you know, the high, high leverage innings and yeah, um, right. where he had not necessarily shown that he really had earned those necessarily. Um, that definitely did not help. And that would go into the, those kind of comments and maybe that's, Maybe it is a little bit more of a past tense type of thing, is that yeah. some of that had been cleared out already. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of people did jump at Tyler O'Neill. And you got to figure, I mean, by the end of the year, I mean, you didn't have anybody there that didn't want to be there because it's, if they did, they were on the IL, right? I mean, everybody that was up was these young guys that were getting their probably only chance um, to play ball. And we, you know, maybe we found something there in Richie Palacios and being able to see him at that time that he never would have got an opportunity at another time. But yeah, I, I think we'll be able to tell a lot more from this off season. I mean, if yeah. they, if they wait, if they DFA Tyler O'Neill, then yeah, he's probably part of that problem because you don't just let that kind of guy go if you can help it. Yeah. Um, so I think that's where we'll find out maybe, or at least we'll assume any trade that was made will have something to do with that yeah uh one one other name that came to mind i and it, it kind of goes on with what you're saying about uh body language and stuff like that would be uh gallegos i know he just doesn't you know he when he when he gets taken out of a game he's always it's just there's never any emotion coming out and never any, any emotion going in the game really i mean you know 
Well, if they're pulling Gallegos, it's usually after he got shelled and gave up a bomb. Well, that's true, too. So so. He's, yeah. probably, he's probably not the happiest of guys out there, yeah. knowing that probably he, true, he just, true enough, he just gave up a 430-foot shot into <laughs> yeah. the seats in left field. So yeah, it was even, when tough... even when he's pitching good, it just doesn't really show a whole lot of emotion out there and stuff like that. So I don't know. Maybe I'm, yeah. maybe I'm I reading mean, too much into that. But, yeah, people are different. I mean, then there's some of that, right? I mean, we know. We saw J.D. Drew play in St. Louis, and yeah. nobody ever thought he was doing anything, and he turned into a you know, quite a quite a good career when we saw you know Colby Rasmus have some of the same type of issues we've had a lot of guys you know I think honestly if he wasn't an MVP some people might say that about Paul Goldschmidt right I mean he doesn't show that emotion he's a very stoic kind of guy and we do like especially in pitchers I think we do as fans like to see a little bit more of you know fire and emotion but that's just not the way some people go about it and um, so it's it's hard to know you know, is this just the way he is, or is this just I've you know kind of given up? And by the by September, in this team, I mean it would have been very hard to be very fired up about leaving the game. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, we're gonna we're kind of running a little longer than I thought, but a couple a couple things I do want to get to is uh, we're talking about the pitching and what we're going after. I mean, we've already mentioned some name tonight, names tonight: Snell, Nola. I know JD, you covered a bunch of them. I just wrote an article on uh, on 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 five free agents and four trades. And uh, one name I want to throw at you guys because this one hasn't been mentioned a lot by a lot of people, or two names actually. Uh, Louis Castillo from Seattle. Uh, well, they locked him into a big contract, so he ain't going nowhere. Well, I don't know. He's got he does have four years left on it. I, I see that. I know that. But you know, if if they're if they know they're gonna have somebody's coming after him uh and i think they want to keep kirby and gilbert I mean, he might be the one they might be willing to let go of for the right I, price i of would course. move i i would sh- i don't think that's probably something seattle's looking so? to if you want to if you wanted to go after maybe like a robbie ray who has been injured and yeah. just want to say young and you want to rip him from seattle i, I think he, he's easier one to, to easy, take i mean luis castillo i i don't see why seattle would want to trade their okay. ace you know uh interesting thought yeah well and i mean yeah. i think that you know if you're if you're seattle and you're looking to maximize your return you're trading one of those young guys because you're going to get something back with castillo yeah. he's he's getting to the middle or lower end of his career i mean he's yeah been around, 30. feels like forever um <laughs> and and you do have you have that cost no, you do have cost certainty but you also have it for four more years and you know there's a good chance that because he's a pitcher that some of that time is going to be injured so um yeah, I mean, they, you know, you never know anything c- could happen, but I would think Seattle's much more likely to move one of their young guys and try to get a really top of the line bat uh, to go with them. Yeah, yeah Seattle's yeah. in a Seattle's in a win mode type right mm-hmm. now. Like, you know, they barely did make the wild card. You know, they're building behind uh, Julio Rodriguez. Like, they, they're they're trying to win now. So trading your ace, I don't think that would make a lot really of be... sense for them. Okay. Um, you know, a Dylan Cease from Chicago, a team that isn't on the verge of winning mm-hmm. right now, you know, moving him <laughs> is, is somebody that makes sense to me. That that's an yeah. ace that I think makes sense to be on the trade block. Um, Tyler glass now with somebody in Tampa Bay that's been brought up. I brought him up last season, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. because they don't have McClanahan next year and Rasmussen's hurt right now, I don't know if trading him is something they're interested in doing either, despite yeah. him, you know, being he's going to cost like 25 million which is crazy money for tampa bay um i I don't know if that makes a lot of sense for them who just went 
to the playoffs again with without those guys, without McClellan and Rasmussen yeah. for most of the season. You know, they both were down anyway. So and they lost Wander Franco. So I, I don't yeah. know if that's going to be a smart idea for them. Um, but hey, it never hurts to go to you know call them and say, hey, yeah. What, what do you what do you guys think about Kevin Gosman out of Toronto? Uh, I mean, I haven't. I mean, so I'll be I'll be honest. That's not one that I have given a lot of thought uh, a lot of thought to. I don't know what his contract situation is. I think he's well. Gosman just signed. He remember he was uh, with the the Giants and then signed a he signed, yeah, with Toronto. Right. So, yeah, I, yeah. I think he's he's, he's twenty six. I think is when his uh, free agent is due. Is uh, twenty six yeah. maybe. Yeah. So he's yeah, got he a couple did. years left on his contract. Yeah, I mean, obviously uh, a very good pitcher. Uh, yeah, swing and miss stuff. I think he was second yeah. in the league in strikeouts to Strider this year. To be honest, yeah. like yeah, uh, he he was he was one I wanted to try and get two three years ago when he was on the block, and uh, they decided not to go after him. So I mean, it's kind uh, of the same thing. Which, yeah. like JC says, the Toronto's still, I would think, not ready to tear that down. Being the yeah, team, maybe know, not off that team. Maybe now not. a guy in Toronto, maybe you. Talked to him about Alec Manoa, who was mm-hmm. just an all star yeah. and then just col- collapsed. And I don't know whether it's physical, mental stuff. I don't know. Like, I mean, obviously, you have to go figure that out whether or not, mm-hmm. you know, what the problem was this year. Right. But a guy who was a first round pick, still very, very young. And I, I, if that's a guy, maybe you can talk to him to say, like, hey, you know, this could be somebody you could get for a little bit cheaper considering what he went through is that going to excite cardinals fans i don't know because <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. it, it was a really bad season this year for alec but enough where he was sent yeah. down that's how bad right. it was it, but but if he's the third guy you bring in i think everybody's fired yeah. up about it. if he's yeah. your oh yeah main name then yeah you got troubles yeah i mean yeah. if you're that, bringing this you bring in a snell or something like that and then you bring in him a note that's it's kind of tempered out a little bit but yeah yeah you don't wouldn't want it you wouldn't trade for him to say okay this is going to be our news top of the line starting yeah. you know top of the line ro- that's the uh, line picture, yeah. but, do you, but then maybe that's a guy that you do do uh, with uh with the carlson or a teller o'neill uh especially yeah. with a carlson probably because he has mm-hmm. more control and he's like okay the, yep. you know maybe you bounce you bet on his bounce back we're betting on alec manoa now i think more than anything manoa it sounds like the, the chemistry might be an issue as well because you know he didn't you know didn't report when he went to the minor leagues and stuff like that for a while um, so that would be interesting in the stuff you'd have to do, but I, I you right. know, it, it would be interesting. And then another guy in that vein that is a free agent is Frankie Montas, right? I mean, mm-hmm. he, he's been hurt. He, 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 again, if you're, if you want to make that third guy, you bring in a lottery ticket, then maybe you gamble right there. Right. Take a shot. Yeah. yeah. Yankees okay. got two of them. Actually, Luis Severino is another one. Yeah. yeah. A free agent that's had some injury problems, but when he was good a couple of years ago, he was really good. A when he's on, he's ago. on. Well, it's it's kind of like Glassnow. You know, when when Glassnow's on, he's on. But yeah. when he's on the got, mound, you mean he's always yeah, right. yeah. When he's on, <laughs> I mean, when he's when he's on the mound, he's on. But the problem is keeping him on the mound at this point. Yeah, you know. Uh, okay. Well, last couple of minutes we got. Uh, who do you look for? I mean, we mentioned a few names already. Uh, one guy I'm I'm hoping to get a good look at in spring training is Palacios. What's a what's a name you guys want to yeah, get a good look at in spring training? Well, obviously Palacios is a guy that I mean I think you got a good look at him this year, and I think he's certainly earned a, a chance to to win a spot in spring training. Um, he's shown. I mean, he was a decent prospect for Cleveland. It's not like he was just some bum they found. Like he 
just it was a numbers game there and uh the cardinals got lucky but it's about time they got lucky when they pick somebody <laughs> up they're the ones usually <laughs> cutting guys that end up becoming stars so it's nice to see that he became a, a useful thing i liked All his right. uh his energy on the field, like mm-hmm. I, the, everything about him, was, it was fun to watch. He was one of the reasons why September wasn't as miserable as it should have been because mm-hmm. we got to see him and some of these young guys play. Um, I, I'm personally, nobody that was really on the the roster at the end of the season, obviously Mason Wynn, Jordan Walker, you're excited about them. But, you know, I'm curious uh, about guys like Victor Scott, you know, who yes. had a, yeah. a monster year. Yeah. What can he do? You know, if you've mm-hmm. got, if you're going to move on from some of these outfielders, is uh, Victor Scott somebody who's uh, in the plans at possibly right. making the team next year? Now he didn't play Triple A or anything very long, but uh, he was a Double A for the most of the yeah. season. Um, but I'm excited to see some of these other guys. You know, I, I want to see, I want to see Roby in spring training. I want to see McGreevy, Jerpy, like all of these young guys. I want to see if there's a spot for them on this team. Um, I know most of them have been starters, uh, starting pitchers for their careers, but you know, if you, if you're good enough to be on the major league roster, maybe these are the bullpen pieces that they can use instead of having to go spend a, a ton of money on somebody like a Josh Hader or anything like that, that um, they spend their money on the starting rotation, mm-hmm. make a trade for a third guy, and then have all these young guys kind of fill out the bullpen that that's, one way to look at a plan in, in spring training, but that's who I would. I'm excited to see. I like seeing the prospects uh, in spring training. So um, there's nobody that was actually on the roster this year that I'm like, Ooh, this is going to be cool to, to see them. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm not excited about Alec Burleson in spring training. I, right. It's just not something for me. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Okay. Well guys, uh, I want to thank you guys for coming on. Uh, JD. Where can they where can the fans find you? Uh well we're on I'm on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it these days, uh, at JD Sports Radio. You can also uh follow our podcast, which is Locked on Cardinals, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh so you can go at uh LO underscore Cardinals on there. You can find us on YouTube as well. And uh anywhere you get your podcasts, we're we're available. Just type in Locked On Cardinals. All right. How about you, Daniel? Where can we find you these days? Um, well, always at C70 on, on the Twitters. Um, you've also got meet me at mutual and gateway to baseball heaven, both at pretty much anywhere you've got podcasts. Um, and occasionally I write at a Substack or a blog, but you'll find those links at Twitter when I, when I actually do it. All right. Well, as always, you can get in touch with me, leave comments where you, where you listen here on Spotify, Apple, Google, uh, shoot me a message on X at tsotbgcs or email me tsotb.gcs at gmail.com and don't forget to check out gatewaycitysports.com for your articles by russ robinson brian swope gene bonds and yours truly also give me a listen to other podcasts like a team of rivals with ron nuttle pete geddes and elliot dewey the two for three with a mighty moose mike stevenson and coming back soon the Derek king sports show with Derek king and that's at gateway city sports Com. One quick programming note for next week. I will have former U of I basketball star Dion Thomas on. We'll be talking to the Lion Eye basketball. So for my guests, J.D. Haffron and Daniel Shopdaw, this is Don Glenn telling you to have fun, stay safe. We'll talk to you again when we're talking sports on the bleachers. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.